Uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, or should I say turn on your phones to Matthew chapter 7, we're going to get into the Word this morning. Now, I'm going to run this today. Guys back there in the booth. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I want to, um, I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you asking? What are you asking God for? What are you bringing before the Lord? What are you talking to him about? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? I think so often we, our prayer life goes to the wayside very quickly. We get busy. We've got a lot going on. But also, sometimes we maybe feel a little awkward about our relationship with God. We wonder things about whether or not he really hears us or whether or not we really can go before him confidently. Maybe God doesn't really hear me. Maybe God actually doesn't like me, and that's why he's not listening. Or maybe we have issues of shame. I'm ashamed of myself, and I, so I don't want to talk to God because I know I'm going to have to face that. Or maybe God's angry. I could never see God is not angry with me, and so I'm, I'm, I just resist approaching him. I know what the Bible says, but... I can't bring myself to get before him and ask for the things I want to ask or to seek the answers or to knock and say, can I come in? I need to visit with you. I need to talk. Are you talking to God? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? I hope as I'm saying these things that you're just kind of reflecting in yourself going, have I been asking God? Have I been talking to God? When I... I, I don't pray with my kids as much as I used to when they were little, going to bed kind of thing. But it's one of the things I would say to them often is talk to God. He wants to hear from you. Be sure and talk to God. He wants to hear from you. But sometimes it can be hard for us to even believe God really wants to hear from us. He's really busy running the universe right now. I'll just have to leave my name and number and he'll have to get back to me later. And I wonder what your and I's thinking is about the idea of asking. What are you asking? We just got done with a series on acts. And one of the things that kind of came up is we, we were talking about the supernatural and we were talking about um, dealing with demonic things and, um, you know, really how our prayers work. And there's one story in the Bible. I, I was talking about it, if you remember, I was pretending like I was a heavy lifter because I look like a heavy lifter, right? Come on. I don't really know how they do that, the technique, and these guys taking these hundreds of pounds, and 
But when we go into prayer, we're doing something in the spirit world. We're lifting heavy things. We're moving things in the spirit. Your prayer is powerful. Your words are powerful. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus' disciples couldn't get rid of this demon. I don't know what it looked like or how the process went, but they couldn't get rid of it. And then Jesus told them later, this can only come out by prayer. And some, some, uh, refer, another reference says in fasting, prayer and fasting. You know, we need to, if we want powerful things to happen in our life, we can't just think that we're going to make their, them happen on our own. We have to go to God and ask. We have to go to God in prayer. How do I deal with this situation in my life? How do I overcome this weakness? How do I have breakthrough in this or that area of my life? Sometimes if we want real power, we got to go to God in prayer. The Bible teaches us that our words are very powerful. The things we speak are powerful. You know, the Bible's word for spirit is the same word as breath. And, and when, when you speak, you're breathing right across your vocal cords and you're speaking something. There's a connection between your words and the supernatural. When you pray, you're not just talking in the natural, you're talking in the supernatural. You're appealing to God. And we see in these stories, like we read in the book of Acts, so many of these supernatural encounters, they were able to speak things, and the supernatural changed. Circumstances changed. Miracles happened. Those kind of things. Why? It begins with, what does the Bible say? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks? Our, our, our words reveal things. They reveal our faith. They reveal our beliefs. They reveal what we really think about something. Now, there are spectrums to this. Right? You got one end of the spectrum where you know, the Bible says, where words abound, sin is there also. Where words are many, there's definitely sin. Start talking too much. You ever run at the mouth too much? I've definitely done that. Then we got the other end of the spectrum where we become so superstitious about things that we're afraid to talk because we're going to, you know, I think there's, a, there's extremes when it comes to our words. But I think we have to be wise about them and what we say. Because when we say something, it's showing what we actually think and believe. And, and so when, when we pray, our heart is revealed to God. When we speak it, like a lot of times I find myself just saying, ah, God knows my thoughts, I don't need to pray it. But there's something powerful about the act of speaking something. Asking God, bringing it before him. And Jesus even makes that clear. You couldn't just command the demon to come out. They actually had to seek God for the answer. They actually needed to petition him for greater power, for greater understanding for the situation. I want to ask you again, what are you talking to God about these days? What are you asking God for these days? And if not, why not? The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Ooh, good proverb. Good one to live by. Realizing the power of our words and the things that we speak. Paul teaches us in Romans that if you confess with your mouth... And believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Those things are connected. We're bringing something out of an unknown, invisible, invisible place. Yeah, God sees it, but nothing else does. And once we speak it, it becomes real. 
I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There, now the whole world knows. I couldn't just quietly hold that inside. I had to say it. It was important that it came out of me in a visible, understandable way. Prayer is powerful. Your words are powerful. What I want to focus on today is why not ask? What stops you from praying? What stops you from asking God? What stops you from spending time in worship? What stops you from engaging in worship? All these things that resist our relationship with God. Are you ashamed? Is there something you're ashamed of and you go, I, I have guilt. My conscience isn't clear. Or like I said, maybe you don't see God accurately and you feel like he's angry with you. Like he's an unapproachable father. Some of you probably had fathers you couldn't approach because it was scary. And then we transpose that onto our heavenly father. Is that what you believe about God? Again, take inventory in yourself. How do you feel about God? How do you feel about who you are to God? I think one of the main things that stops us from asking and seeking and knocking that God would open doors and answer prayers, one thing that stops us significantly is the idea of shame. We don't understand our identity and we don't understand God's identity and how we relate to that. I want to take a look at Romans chapter 8. Hey, if there's a, man, I can't pick a favorite chapter in the Bible. I just can't do that, right? But boy, this is a good one. Chapter 8 of Romans is brilliant to help a person in life. Here are some of the sweetest words you can ever hear in your life. Therefore, which means there's a bunch of information before this. You could read another time. There is how much condemnation? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, that's got to be some of the best words you'll ever hear in your life. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. Do you screw up still? Yeah. Do we make mistakes? Yes, we do. And we're going to talk about that. But understand, this is who you are. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, this is who you are. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ, I would encourage you to do that. He made you. He knows you. He knows the best life for you. And I would encourage you to surrender and stop being your own God and let him be God. But for those of you who have surrendered to Christ, there is no condemnation for you. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. When we do something wrong and that sensation of guilt or shame comes on us, it's bondage. When you, when you struggle with guilt, when you realize you've been in the wrong, you're, you, it's, it's oppressive. It's an oppressive sensation. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's weight. It hurts. It doesn't feel like freedom. But God has made a way. He has set us free. I, I guarantee all of us could use a little more freedom, right? A little more freedom, a little more breakthrough. Leave a little more of the old me behind and walk a little further into the freedom that there is in Christ. 
There is no condemnation. Is there anything in you that wants to argue with that? Ah, there's still a little, ah, I'm still, yeah, you're susceptible. Yeah, you're weak. Yeah, you make mistakes. But this is who you are, not condemned. That gives you an unprecedented access to your heavenly father. There is therefore now no condemnation for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Okay, that's a lot of words there and a lot to think about. But there's something inside of us that wants to make it right ourselves. We got to fix ourselves. I, I just got to, I got to do better. And that's partly true. We do got to do better. But how do we go about doing it? In the flesh. We're always wanting to make our own salvation, to fix ourselves, to earn our own freedom, to achieve our own freedom. And there are disciplined things that we do to do that, yes. But the real freedom, the spiritual freedom, like way deep down in your heart, washing away of things, that comes from God. You can't earn that. You can't achieve that. You can work your fingers to the bone in the flesh and it will never be enough. Jesus came to deal with a weakened flesh, a system of the flesh, so that you and I could be free. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Whatever requirements there are to come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, whatever authorization there is, it comes because of what Jesus did for us. He fulfilled the requirements. You cannot. We do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There are so many areas in our lives that we struggle and we try and fix ourselves. And I want to encourage you this morning. Understand who you are to God. Uncondemned, free, able to approach him. John, in 1 John. All right, I'm going to do this one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, Romans 8, 12. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. One of the things that I, I often talk about up here in the pulpit because it kind of drives me a little bit crazy. But it's this notion that I prayed a prayer once upon a time and therefore my passport to heaven is stamped and now I get to do whatever I want the rest of my life. But that's not making Jesus Lord. We, because Jesus has done this for us, we now have an obligation. We're indebted, one of the other translations says. We're debtors. We want to live according to the Spirit. We want to live in a relationship with God. What are you asking God for? Are you engaging with God? Are you engaging in prayer? Is your spirit engaging with him and his word? We have, we have an obligation. We don't like that word. Nobody tells me how to live. I'm from Montana, for crying out loud. Do what I want. But we do. We're indebted to what Christ has done for us. And if we're going to walk with him, we've got to recognize who we really are, what Jesus really did, the power of what he did for us through the forgiveness of sin. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
One thing about being a child of God that's so awesome is that God forgives. God forgives everything. Did you know that? Even the worst of the worst, God forgives. He wipes it off their record. I wonder if that sense of guilt or sense of failure stops you from asking God, stops you from coming before God and saying, God, I'm in need. I, I need breakthrough. I need freedom from sin. I need answers for the next phase of my life, whatever. Does shame stop you? Let me tell you something about God. He is faithful and he is just to forgive. He's faithful, meaning he's reliable. If you go to God and confess your sin, again, there's the, what, what is confession? Speaking it. You know, out of your heart, you begin to speak and it reveals something inside of you. And when you confess, when you admit to God, I've made a mistake, I've been off on this or that, he's faithful. He doesn't ignore your request. He is reliable. And he's just. If you go before the judge, do you ever get a speeding ticket that he says, if you don't get another ticket in three months, I'll wipe it off your record? Come on. You with me? Oh, man, I like that kind of justice. I like a judge like that. God is fully justified to forgive your sin. Maybe you did, this is interesting, maybe this happens in the court world where a judge decides to let something go. And you think, I don't think I would have let that go. Well, I'm sure thankful he did. Maybe there's mercy sometimes in the courtroom and we're thankful for it. How much more our Heavenly Father? When we come before him and we say, Lord, I've been wrong about this or that. God will forgive and you can let it go. I want to share a story with you this morning. Just happened over the last couple of days. I, I was, I was out walking and, <clears throat> and and praying and just thinking about what I would talk about today. And you know, for me, I, I still have things like this where I'm like, uh, I have shame or guilt about things sometimes. And I was, I was remembering when I was a young man, I was pretty messed up for a while. Uh, when I got into high school, I, you know, I, I wanted to play basketball at a level that maybe I could go to college and play basketball. I uh, could do well in school when I worked at it. I thought I would have an academic career. I thought I'd graduate with a degree in some kind of engineering field. thought I'd you know, have the two and a half kids and a dog and a picket fence kind of life for a while. And that all came apart in high school. Uh, I wasn't quite the athlete I thought I was. How many of you came to that realization at some point or another? Uh, I was angry. I got really angry for a long time. Uh, I became a father at the age of 17. And my world was a disaster. I was a mess. I was a mess. I had great family and support around me all that time. But I was a raging maniac with a death wish, and I was out of control. And you can imagine being in high school and being a dad, what, uh, what kind of social life happens. I got teased a lot. Um, 
I, you know, I had a lot of good friends, but I, I, was, I was not good. And one night, I was 19 years old. This is really part of my testimony where my life really started to turn around, and I'll spare you all the details, but I went on a tirade one night with some friends, and I ended up putting my fist through a glass door, and um, just I lost a lot of relationships that night. It actually was the night where the next day I went, I have to change. I will die if I keep living like this. And it, within about a week, I was sitting at Mount Helena Community Church going, I got to change. And to stand here today and think about that all those years ago just amazes me at the grace of God. But I was remembering that night, and I was remembering one particular girl that was there, and I was feeling guilt. 25 years later, I feel guilt. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of how I behaved. I'm ashamed of what I said. I'm ashamed of what I did. I was horrible. And I thought, I'm not carrying this around anymore. Now, even as I say that out loud, I don't know if I can express to you how deeply painful that feels to me to talk about that. But I thought, I'm not, I'm not carrying this around anymore. I got on my phone, and I sent her a WhatsApp or a Facebook message, and I just said, look... I know this is really random. I haven't talked to her since that night. I know this is really random, and maybe it's weird to you, but I want you to know I remember that, and I'm really ashamed of that. And I'm very sorry for the things that I said and that I did that night. If I'm still remembering it 25 years later, something's wrong. And still carrying that around. And kind of feeling like that slows down my connection with God, that shame, that embarrassment. Like maybe the, maybe as the door's closed, the accuser comes and he goes, look at what you did. Look at who you are. Look at how you represented God. Look at the things you said. Look at the things you did. Nobody's going to respect you. No one's going to want to hear what you have to say now. You ruined it. With all of those behaviors and all of those things you did in those years. And it's like, shut up. God, help me be free. And so I sent her this message. She still hasn't replied. She's probably weirded out by me. (laughs) And I just said, look, I just want to apologize. I want to let you know that I recognize that was very wrong, and I still carry that around. So if you want to talk about it, let me know. If you're ever in Helena, we'd love to take you to dinner, something like that. And I want to just share that story with you to encourage you that if you're carrying things around in your heart, that are hindering you from wanting to go to God because you feel like such a failure, God can deal with those. God can wash those away. He is faithful and just. Jesus came to deal with the law regarding those things where you messed up. Where, yeah, you and I should have been punished, he took that punishment for us. That changes your identity before God. There's a lot of identity politics going on in the world, right? And I think we're a little bit off the rails on what identity actually is. But identity is who you really are. Who are you really before God? You might be aware of the you that's all messed up, but God is in heaven saying, I have washed that all off you. All those guilty memories, all of those things you've been ashamed of in your life, all the ways you feel like you've failed, all of the relationships that you feel like have been broken because of you. He's washing all that away. 
He really, really actually is. We don't just say it. It's real. And what that does is gives you that unprecedented access to your heavenly father. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave in fear again. That's fear. I screwed up. I'm not good enough. I'm afraid now. I'm I'm fearing failure. I'm fearing not being heard by God. I'm fearing that he's going to be so angry with me. He might ground you, but he's not going to strike you with lightning. You know, he's, he, he gives punishment. He will correct and direct for our good, not for evil. The spirit you received brought you, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we, we cry, Abba, Father, this is who you are. And this is who God is. You are the child, loved, cleansed, free. No guilt, no shame, just can innocently go to a father that you can use a word like Abba. I, I'm, un, I'm uncomfortable saying daddy in English, okay? It's, it's such an intimate word to call your dad daddy. I, I'm still uncomfortable saying that because it's so, I don't know, it's so friendly and connected and just endearing kind of a word. That's what you can call God. The all-powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing master of the, the eternity wants you to call him daddy? Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Our souls are just laboring under the the guilt and the shame and the anger and the frustration and whatever your thing is, whatever comes to your mind that maybe stops you from going to God. I've had experiences where I'm like, I should pray about that. And then I'm like, yeah, but I can't really pray. You know, the Bible talks about us. I didn't put it up there because I didn't want to cause any marriage conflicts today. But there is a part of the Bible that talks about uh, men respecting your wives so that God will hear your prayers. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll need to pray, man. I got, Lord, I got to preach on Sunday and I got to deal with this situation and I got to and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but you got to deal with your situation with your wife because you were mean to her yesterday. I don't want to deal with that. Can we just get on with it? <laughs> nope. If there are things that are hindering your prayer or stopping you from going Before God, I'm starting to sound like a broken record, right? That's what good preachers do. Come on, let's ask. You can ask. You can seek. You can go to his door and knock and say, Dad, I need something. See, I couldn't even say Daddy there. It's too much for me. (laughs) Daddy, I need something. I need freedom from my guilt. I need forgiveness for my sin. And so I'm going to confess it to you. And you're going to be faithful and just to let it go. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed, we share in his suffering in order that we also share in his glory. John, are you in? Is John in here? Wolfenden? John, would you come up and play some guitar for us? 
I want to take a few moments today. I'm going to stop there for today. I hope that you've done some reflection this morning. I hope that you've thought about things you'd like to talk to God about. I hope that you are inspired to take some steps further in your relationship with God today. But I want us to respond today. I don't always do this, but I want us to respond. Because I think it's important, just like it's important to say something, to bring it out of the invisible into the visible to deal with it, I want to pray for some of you today. I want to pray for those of you that... um, are struggling with guilt. Even though you know God forgives you, even though you are forgiven, hey, when I was a little kid, I got saved every Sunday trying to deal with that. Or if you're asking God for something big, maybe you don't have any issues going before God like some of us do. And you're, you're, but you're asking big. You're asking for something in your health. You're asking God for some breakthrough in your job or finances. Whatever it is, if you're asking God for something, So for those of you that are willing to respond to that message today, I'm going to ask you to stand because we're going to pray for you. Those of you that want breakthrough in your shame and want to come before God, those of you that are asking God for big things, those of you, I I want to share a passage with you. I'm going to go right to the end here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with, what's that word? You can have confidence going before God. You don't have to be ashamed. You can have confidence to ask big. Ask. God knows what's on your heart. It's okay to have desires in your heart. There's a passage of scripture that talks about God giving us the desires of our heart. Not the Lamborghini you want. I'm not talking about that but good, godly desires. For the rest of you, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person this morning that is declaring whatever it is that's in their heart, whether it's dealing with guilt and shame, whether it's asking for something big, whether it's trying to understand who you are as a loving father or how we could possibly be an innocent child. How could that be? Or whatever it is that each person is lifting to you this morning, God, I pray you would respond in power. Your spirit is powerful. It's not weak. Lord, you change lives. You're the God of the breakthrough. And God, I pray, Lord, for just your forgiveness to wash where it needs to wash. God, is each one of these people that need to confess something, Lord, that you would be washing it away as they confess it. God, that you'd be washing consciences, making them clear, clear conscience, washing away shame. God, even if it's a 25-year-old memory, even if it's a 50-year-old memory, it doesn't matter how old it is. God, I pray that you would wash it away. Your mercy is new every morning. I'm really glad it's new today. Have mercy on us, Lord. Lord, I pray for those that are asking for something big in faith those that are bringing difficult requests before you. God, you hear their prayer. You you told us to ask, and so we ask. And in some cases, we have no other choice. There's nothing else going to help. God, help us. Thank you that you do help us. 
Thank you that you do hear our prayer. Thank you that you have mercy on us like a child who's trying to find their way. God, I thank you for that. I pray a blessing this morning on everybody here, God, that your tender mercy would be palpable to us. That your loving kindness would be right there for us to lay hold of so that we can take more steps, so that we can get through the day, so we can become more and more of who you've called us to be. God, we just thank you today. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to continue to receive prayer this morning, we will have our prayer team over here on the left that would like to do that. I want to encourage you, don't let go of what God gave you today. If God just kind of gave you some breakthrough somewhere, you were able to give something up to him, don't take it back. Let him have it. Let it go. Let it go. You guys, thanks for joining us this morning. That is the end of our service today. I really appreciate you being here, and I hope to see you next week. Have a great week.